with some of the leadership here and with you pastors. I'm very humbled to be the speaker now tonight, especially when I feel very much like the least of these. And uh, with some of you men that have been in the ministry so many more years, your families have been out you're serving the Lord. Thank God for your faithfulness. And let me tell you, no matter what age and everything you become, we need every one of you. Stay faithful. And we need to make sure that all of the pastors and leadership stay faithful to the word of God. Just as much as we are admonishing Josh and Katie, let's all be faithful. It's exciting to be able to have the church here to be able to commission Josh and Katie. Because this is truly the biblical pattern. Yes, I represent a mission agency, but I'm a local church man. Amen. And it's not a mission agency that sends out a missionary. It's the local church. VIMI is very, very careful about that. We are not a sending agency. The local church is. And thank God for every local church that invests in their people. And you see the church in Antioch. And I believe why the the Holy Spirit separated unto them. To the spirit there, Paul, Barnabas. Why? Because there is a multiplicity of leadership. If you do it right, and if you disciple right, and you lead right, There's going to be people maturing and growing. And that's what's manifested in this ministry here. And we are having the privilege of sending one of those out. And praise the Lord for it. The topic I'm going to speak on tonight is something that's very, very dear to my heart. 20 years on the mission field in East Africa. Back before email... For all of the amenities. And we learned the importance of intercessory prayer. There will be times when you want to do everything that you can. Hey, Josh and Katie, what can we do? What can we do? What's there? And there's absolutely nothing you can do but pray. And that should never be the last recourse anyhow. It's supposed to be our first. But I want to be able to be a little bit transparent tonight. From a missionary's heart. Speaking to a church who is commissioning one of their own. How you can be the greatest asset to your missionary. This isn't my missionary. This isn't another group's missionary. This is yours. Take possession. Identify with them. And let's pray together with them. Forgive me if I start on a very basic level. You take their cards. Every missionary has them. What are the purpose of these? Are they just big business cards? 
are Josh and Katie just really narcissistic, and they have to have a big card with a big picture. What's the purpose? I had one gentleman in the conference come to me and say, I collect these things, and I've used this as part of my diet program. I said, okay. I said, let me know what's going on. And he says, well, what I do is that I actually collect these and I put them on all the front of my refrigerator. And when I get hungry, I go to the refrigerator, but I've covenanted with the Lord. I have to pray for every one of them. <laughs> he says, by the time I'm done praying, I'm not hungry anymore. <laughs> I guess it worked for him. Of course, I'm being silly. This is a what? It's a prayer card. If you would, open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll hear from the heart of the Apostle Paul. First Thessalonians chapter 5. If you would stand for reading just of a very, very simplistic verse. But one that is ripe with meaning. Let's all read in unison. Verse number 25. Paul writes to the church there at Thessalonica, and he pleads one thing. Let's read it together. Brethren, pray for us. Isn't it interesting that the Apostle Paul, one of the greatest missionaries, one that helped to launch all of the churches there in the first century, he's amazing, one that was caught up to the third heaven and was able to see and experience things that he couldn't even describe. From his hand, miracles were wrought. And yet, he turned to one of the very churches he started. One of those churches of Macedonia that were of great poverty, difficulty. He turned to them. He said, please, pray for us. You would think somehow he would have more of a divine direct line of some sort, right? Someone of that caliber. But the Apostle Paul knew that the ministry is more than just one person. It's something that's greater than one thing that he can handle and his team can handle. He knew the importance of prayer and he knew the necessity of God's people praying for the endeavors that he was trying to do with God's help. Brethren, pray for us. Tonight, I'm going to explain a little bit of what Josh and 
Katie mean when they look at you and they say, just pray for us? Our Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless now this service. And we thank you, Father, for the good people here of Crossroads Baptist Church and the other people of other different churches that are represented and senior pastors and godly men that have been in the ministry for so long. But, Father, the focus now are on your chosen, your called, that are going to go to your field that you've selected. And, Father, I do pray that you would help each and every one of us to see the importance of what we do. And how we back them, how we support them, not necessarily by financial means, even though that's important, but on our knees. May we be a praying church. May we be the right sending church. And I pray, Father, that all the other guests that are here, that they would see the importance of this and they would take it to their churches so that we can see the importance of worldwide evangelization through prayer on our knees. May you be exalted now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. How to pray for your missionary. I want to get right into the, to the outline tonight. If you would, just write down on your foot. What I'd like for you to do is take, as Pastor has said, take now the handout that's there, and I want you to put that with your prayer list. So that when you pray for your missionaries, I want you to pray in some way through these points. A lot of times what happens is that people ask me, they said, Brother Bowman, is it true that my prayers right here in this time zone and this area and this part of the country, will it definitely impact missions in a completely different part of the world in a different time zone? Yes. It does. And until we see the importance of it, oh my. May we see just a little bit of it tonight. Let's go at First of all, I want you to be able to write down. I want you to be able to pray for Josh and Katie. Pray for their... I, I clicked a bunch of things there, and I didn't realize. Pray for their courage. Amen. Good night. What's going on here? Courage. There we go. Pray for their courage. You all saw a bunch of C's there. There we go. You can be able to write ahead real quick. Pray for their courage. We see the verse there in Ephesians as Paul asked the church there at Ephesus, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And Paul says here, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul asked for utterance for courage, for boldness, the ability to explain the mysteries of the gospel. Why? Why would it be so important for him to ask the church at Ephesus at that time? The Apostle Paul at that time was in a Gentile area. At that time, the Apostle Paul was working in foreign cultures and he's dealing with foreign languages. And let me tell you, one of the greatest Courage killers for a missionary is language learning. 
and cultural acquisition. You think of the missionaries we have right now in Africa right now. I helped oversee 115 and 25 different countries, and there's a lot of stuff going on. We have every one of them are college graduates. Some have their master's degree. Some actually have earned doctorates. And when they first go to the field, they are literally reduced to that of a toddler learning the basic words all over again. Learning gestures. What to gesture? How to, how to call for people. You never say to someone, hey, come over. Oh, my goodness, that would be horrible. That's how you call a dog. It's, it's, you, you do it up like this. And, and as you point in East Africa, we point with our chins. All right? Some parts of West Africa, they point with their tongue. It's like, man, get that back in there. <laughs> Other parts of the country, when you're, when you're calling for a waitress maybe to come to the table, you Other ones, you try to get their attention by... Got to make sure you do the right thing at the right country. Don't get it mixed up. <laughs> or else you get a lot in trouble. <laughs> and all kinds of different cultural things and all of that. And I tell you what, one of the largest frustrations you get is the lack of courage when you feel like I can't communicate. I can't be able to even gesture right. I, I'm trying to, I, I'm left-handed. I'm not even allowed to use my left hand here in the country. What do I do? Pray for their courage, their boldness. All the different cultural differences. The joke is overseas that most Americans can offend at least eight or nine people before they even leave the international airport. Because we do not have all of the cultural nuances so much. What is American culture? We're a melting pot of all kinds of cultures. And you go, when you go overseas, people that have been in a, in a, in a closed area, an enclosed field, hey, there's a lot of things you've you got to make sure that you know and you do. And that's where we come alongside the descending church, and we help to provide that kind of training and help and so forth. And thank God there is a, there's a team that's there that can be able to help and to guide them. Thank God for that. Pray for their courage. There will be times when they will feel frustrated. I can't communicate to anyone outside of my home. I can't even gesture right. I can't even call their names right. I can't even speak right. And I, even as Pastor said, well, at least you, do, you have a, a couple of things. Oh, it was you. You said, uh, you may not know what to say in French. You just hand them a track. <laughs> I mentioned to her, I said, been there, done that. You don't know what to say. You don't know what to do. You don't know enough of the, uh, know enough of the language to do. And you just... God can work. It's a whole other different study of how the first, the first century Christians had boldness. Remember, remember Peter and John? People were shocked at the boldness that they had. And the people took note that they had been with, with Jesus. Sermon this morning. 
at Jesus' feet. Pray for their courage. I remember when I first got to Kenya, my, I'm deaf in one ear, so it took me a little bit longer in language study. My Sunday morning sermon, it would take me three days to write out. I would write it all in English. I'd do all my studying. Then I would translate it. And the third day, I'd correct it. And then I would try to memorize it. Because you can imagine how uninspiring it is to get up and to read your message. And even after all of that, I'd get up and I'd try to preach and I would use every Swahili word I knew. And ten minutes later, I was done. I remember one dear, dear saint of a lady. She had been saved um, in the capital city and moved out to the small little town that we were working in. And it would take her a couple hours to walk to church. She would sit right back where, about where you're sitting right there. She would sit right back back there by the door. And when I get done waxing eloquent after 10, 15 minutes, say, preacher, get back up there and preach again. I don't want to walk all the way home. <laughs> oh. But then you would have some. You'll never learn Swahili. Use a translator. I, I would rather struggle with your English than hear you butcher my language of Swahili. Well, God bless you. Thank you for that encouragement. By the way, never be critical of your pastor. Never, never, never. Preachers are like first responders. They're always dealing with emergencies, and it's usually not their own. Always be a source of encouragement, all right? Always be a source of encouragement. But boy, they would say stuff like that. And you, you talk about a courage killer? Oh, man. There have been many times I was just frustrated. Not, until one Sunday, God, it was only God that could allow this to happen. The man that eventually became the chairman of our deacon board came to me after the service had said, missionary, please put away your dictionary. You're going over all of our heads now. <laughs> just get up and preach. Have you ever had a time when just, it just seemed like the burden just completely rolled off? I remember that sermon and that service like I've never remembered another one. I got back up the next Sunday. And yes, I put the dictionary away. And you talk about freedom and liberty. Oh. But there was a time when that was a courage killer. Paul says, pray for me that utterance may be given to me. Paul says, I need prayer. Please pray for me that I can have the utterance and the boldness and the courage to speak up for God in a heathen culture, in a heathen land, in a heathen language. Pray for me. We need to pray for them. Pray for their courage. Next, pray for their character. You would hope that I would never need to mention something like this, but... We all need prayer in this area, don't we? 
Pray that God will keep them from sin and temptation. The verse there, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We're not ignorant of it. We know the evil one. We know the areas where he tempts us. We know that some of our weaknesses there. We need to pray for them that make sure that they have the right character. Always be on guard. Never forget that Satan is that roaring lion. Mm. Paul even tried to emphasize self-discipline in his life in order to not to be a casualty. He says, but I keep under my body and bring it under subjection. That's a good thing for all of us to do, isn't it? Lest by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. We have enough castaways in churches today, don't we? We definitely don't need any on the mission field. And it's been sad. There's been some failures. And I've even heard people say, well, I... I just can't believe so-and-so. We've been supporting him for all these years and there was some type of a failure or something and I just can't believe it. I almost want to go to him and say, yes. How much have you prayed for them? It's so easy for us to be critical, isn't it? Oh, let me tell you, Satan wants to do all he can to disrupt Christians and to disrupt the work of God, to take down leadership, because he knows if he can take down leadership, if he can take down Christians, if he can take down the testimony, it has an impact on scores and, yea, hundreds around. May God help us to be able to pray for their character. Pray that they'll stay focused even on the goal. It's so easy to get sidetracked. So easy for us, especially on the mission field. You're trying to do language studies. You're trying to get the home situated right. You're trying to keep everything fixed. And you're trying to get the car working. And, and then everyone's coming. And uh, yes, I have an emergency. And yes, there's a, there's a problem here. There's a need here. And it's just constant there. And, Pray that they will stay focused. Part of the character here, that they will stay focused. Keeping the main thing the main thing. Paul, it was, it was quoted this morning, this one thing I do. And we got to make sure that the one thing's right. So many more things I could say here. Let's move on. Pray for their care. Dear God, please help our missionaries. I pray that you would bless and help them. And, and then many times we move on. We pray something like what I, I like to call it a, a shotgun prayer. God, pray for all the missionaries. Did I get them all? Many times we don't focus individually. You know, it's kind of sad. You come back in a few years and you walk into church and you wonder how many people recognize you. Yeah. Hmm. 
We need to pray. We need to make sure that we're praying for their character. Praying for their courage. And in this area, so important, pray for their care. As I tell missionaries and as I told them in their departure interview, that missionaries on the field are not front line in the ministry. A lot of times people think that missionaries are the front line of evangelism. No, 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 no. All of us are. I tell you what, you have a track in your pocket, God nudges you to be able to give it out, you're on the front line right there. At that time, right then. Satan's fighting you right then, you're on the front line. Are you going to give in or not? Are you going to obey the Lord or not? God tells you to witness. Give a testimony. Boy, you're on the front line. Missionaries are a little bit different. Especially those, many of them that I helped oversee. They are likened not to the front line troops. They are the paratroopers that just paratrooped behind enemy lines. Yeah. They're there in a place where Satan has had his territory and held, held uh, rule and reign in that area for a long time. And Satan doesn't give up ground very easily. And just like a paratrooper, when he, when he jumps in and nothing is working right, guess what? It's not supposed to. You're in enemy territory. And I told the pates, you know, when things are not going right and culturally things are frustrating and everything's going crazy, it seems, guess what? You're normal. And I've had missionaries call me, struggling. What did I tell you? I'm normal. I don't feel normal. Pray for their care. They're behind enemy lines. Paul says here, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of God may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you in the verse here that and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith. Some missionaries work in some very difficult areas. They deal with voodoo, witch doctors. All kinds of things. Even the Apostle Paul, he felt these issues too when he went into Asia. Even I, I helped to teach in some of the classes there in our candidate school. And we wondered, did the Apostle Paul, did he encounter culture shock? Yeah, he did. Not on his first journey... He was just seeing some of the areas just over the mountains in Tarsus, from Tarsus where he went to, and then he went to Sicily where Barnabas was from. But you see, on, this, on the second missionary journey, then they started encountering some issues. He writes, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, 
that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. Put that in a missionary context. Yeah. Pray for their care. Pray for, also underneath here, their livelihood. Realize they're going completely by faith. They have a lot of churches that have committed that they're going to be supporting them. They have a lot of people that have said that they're going to be praying for them. But honestly, from month to month, we don't know what's going to come in. There are some months when God blesses. And there are some months when we know he's going to give us a challenge. Pray for that. Paul had his supporting churches. You realize that? Wouldn't it be nice to have said, you know, our church, you know who we support? <clears throat> we support Apostle Paul. <laughs> that would have been kind of neat, wouldn't it? To be able to have his picture back on the back wall there. But yeah. By the way, the church at Philippi supported him. While he was actually planting the church at Thessalonica, the church he's writing to right here. He writes and it says, Now ye Philippians also uh, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I would departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. Amen. And then it seemed like the church, for some reason, stopped their support for a while and then later was able to start it back up again. He Later he writes, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Let me tell you, wouldn't it have been amazing for the church at Philippi when those dear Christians went to heaven and saw the rewards of their faithful support of the Apostle Paul. <laughs> you think of the spiritual dividends there. You have no idea who's on that back wall right there and what God is doing through them. We still have yet to know what God is going to do through Josh and Katie's life and ministry. We look with excited anticipation. But it's going to be up to us to be able to pray for their care. Next, pray for their children. Hmm. How many of you realize that Satan does not play fair. Yeah. Satan will attack any servant of God at any vulnerable point. You need to pray for a hedge of protection around this family. Pray a hedge of protection around their children. Do you know their children's names? Pray 
for those two girls. And then the third one. Pray that God will bless and help them. Pray that they will have joy on the mission field. That they will work alongside their parents and, and, and thrive and enjoy serving where God has placed their parents. Because you know what? If God has placed them as the children in their household, guess what? It is God's will for them to be in the Ivory Coast. Amen. Never despair of their children. And it's very sad that we get people that will write to missionary kids and, oh, it's so sad that you're working over there. No, it's the greatest thing. Because they're in God's will. It's the greatest place. But let me tell you. We need to pray that hedge of protection. We see the verse there. About the house of Stephanus. That was the first fruits of Achaia. And and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Praise God for a family that has a good addiction. Amen. They're addicted to serve, addicted to minister. It's exciting to see the Pastor Dietrich's family. Amen? Enough said? Praise the Lord. May we all duplicate that. Thank God for all of our families. The Lord has been able to help us to rear and to raise for him. But are we praying for our missionaries' children? We all know of some that perhaps have gone astray and they've struggled as they come back and missionary children are in two different worlds. They have their Americans, but yet their children will be in Africa and they'll be in the Ivory Coast and they have a culture there, they have a culture back here and when they come home on furlough, how do they fit in? They're more African than than they are American, but yet they still have to fit into Sunday school and they, they, they try to sit in your classes and they mingle with your children and... Sometimes they struggle with acceptance. I remember my oldest daughter when she came back. She came back in the youth group. She's been in Africa ever since she was five months old. You talk about difficulty taking a five-month-old baby that was the first grandchild on both sides to Africa. Woohoo! That was grace, boy. <laughs> wow. She knew all the different cultures. We had worked in many different tribal circumstances there. She'd come back to the church and struggle to be able to work there in the, in the Sunday school, in the youth group. And she came to me one day and she said, Daddy, I want you to look at me. I'm doing something wrong. She's, you know, you know, there's different handshakes for different tribes, and there's different greetings in the way you greet people. I understand that. But I'm doing something wrong here. I said, baby, what you doing? I'm going up, and I'm, I'm saying hello to everyone in the, in the Sunday school and in the youth group. I'm shaking their hands, and I'm introducing myself. And You know, in, in East Africa, you've got to give a physical handshake. You've got to give a physical greeting. If you don't, that's very offensive. She's doing that in an American youth group. They're looking at her like, what's your problem? I said, well, baby, that's Americans. They don't greet, they grunt. 
pray for their children. And when they come back on furlough, you wrap your arms around them and you encourage them and you help them and do all that you can. Why? We want them to be addicted to the ministry. We want them to love the mission field. We have an MK right here, at least one. Thank God. Pastor Washer, his dad was a great benefit to me as a young teenager. His grandfather helped to teach me some church planting principles when I was with them in Togo. Thank God that there's MKs continuing on and serving God. But it's all going to be because we prayed. Pray for their children. And lastly, pray for their churches. Pray for their ministries, whatever. Paul is saying, continue in prayer and watching the same with thanksgiving. With all praying also for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance. To speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in bonds. Paul at this time is in prison. He's not asking for open doors. As in prison doors. That did happen one time. But the Apostle Paul is actually asking for a door of utterance to be opened. Opportunities to be able to give the gospel. Pray for them that they'll have these opportunities. These open doors. Pray also for their direction. As the Macedonia call came to the Apostle Paul, realized that came after a, a, a very frustrated time when he thought the Lord was leading him here and the Lord closed the door and was leading him there. And you know what? That happens sometimes to missionaries. That happened to me. That happens to many. Their call is the call to missions. Their call is the call to ministry. And God may adjust that a little bit. And you know what? We need to have patience with them as they are following God's will. Amen. Apostle Paul wanted to go into Asia. God said, not right now. Macedonia. Why? I'm not going to question God's wisdom, all right? If I have to figure God out, he's a pretty small God. I'm so glad he's, his ways are far above my ways. Amen. We never know what's going on. But it's our part to be faithful. And it's our part of this church here to be supportive of that couple. Yes, you're going to support them financially. You've already been very generous and, and kind. You love them. You've loved on them. But so many times, out of sight, out of... Are we praying for them? Have we committed to do such? I close with a quick story. One of our missionaries gives a story of when she grew up on a mission field. Her younger sibling was very, very sick and they lived 10 hours away from the hospital. The best hospital was in the capital city, quite some distance away. And there was 
That was the only place that they could be able to get the type of help that the younger sibling needed. The father, the missionary there, called ahead. Yes, we know exactly what's the situation. Yes, we have the medication here. Yes, it's what's needed, but you've got to get here soon. According to her symptoms, it's urgent. You need to get here right away. The father quickly took this young daughter, put her in the car, and just fled to the capital city as fast as he could, knowing a 10-hour drive was ahead. As he was driving through the jungle there and the small little roads and going through little villages, he was going through, and the whole time, God, please help my baby. God, please help. Give us, get us there in time. God, please, would you, would you do something? As they neared the capital city, there was one place you had to be very, very careful about. You rounded a big curve, and then as soon as you rounded the curve, it was, a, it was a, a hill on that side, you rounded the curve, and as soon as you came around, there was a, there was a slight hill going down, and it went right into a one-lane bridge. And those that have been abroad at all, you know one-lane bridges can be very, very dangerous when you have to sit and wait. And that you never want to, you wanted to time that just right. You never want to have to stop and wait at that one bridge, at that bridge to wait for it to clear because it was common for thieves to be there. Knowing that cars, whatever they come, whatever they come, they have to wait for the bridge to clear. So the father, he was not even paying attention. He was so concerned and so Obsessed with the fact he had to get to the capital city, just praying. And just as soon as he rounded the curve, he went down and, and he, then he saw it, the bridge. He put on his brakes because there was a large semi that was already on the bridge coming toward him. Before he even could react, two men jumped out of the bushes, ran to the car, one having a machete. All he had time for was, God help! The man that ran to his side, he opened the door, and he opened it very quickly and opened it into the guy, and the guy fell backwards. The other man had actually gotten the door open, and he's thinking, why didn't I lock the doors? But of course, he always locked the doors, but he was so obsessed about driving it, he had forgotten it, and the door was open, and the man reached across his daughter and was trying to, his hand was coming towards the gear selector. He took the man's wrist and he held onto it firmly. He looked up and the semi had just cleared the bridge. He popped it in gear, hit the clutch. The car leaped. He threw the man out. He let go of the man's hand. The man's hand fell backwards and he was thrown clear of the vehicle. The door slammed shut just by the motion of the vehicle. He hit the bridge as hard as he could ran across, got across on the other side. Of course, about five minutes later after that, the adrenaline started kicking in and everything that just happened. But he was able to make it to the capital city. He was able to make it to the hospital. They had the medicine. The daughter was taken care of. Everything was fine. Answer to his prayer. 
It was later on, several, several, several months later, they had already been scheduled for a furlough and they were back. They were at one of their supporting churches, is a church I know up in Michigan. They had a great report there at the church, and service was done. People fellowshiped, and they left. The pastor, though, hung there behind and said, I have something to ask you. So the missionary went along with the pastor off to the side, and they walked up to a wall, very similar to what you have here. The pastor says, something weird happened to me. He says, I get here in the morning every day early. And I go through down the prayer hallway where we have our missionary pictures, our, the prayer letter there. And he said, I, every morning, I just kind of go in sequence there. And I, I come and I, look, I read the missionary's prayer letter. I put my hand on their picture and I pray for them that day. And then I go on to my office and do my work. He says, but something happened. I don't know what happened several months ago. I was doing my regular routine, and you were the missionary that morning. I read the prayer letter. I put my hand on your picture. And as I said a word of prayer, all of a sudden, I just, I felt an incredible burden. I mean, I felt a deep, deep, urgency to be able to pray and he says it was almost like I could not remove my hand from your picture I had to pray and I had to pray and, and by the way he wasn't one of those creepy weird people about things and things like that all right there are people that are like that you know but he was just a good 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 pastor he says I don't know what happened he goes but I prayed intently I said dear God please help I don't know what's going through or what goes what's going on he says did you have anything traumatic in your life? Yes. It was that month, that week, that day, and literally that hour. Early in the morning, in Michigan, late afternoon, early evening, they're on the field. A father... God help! A faithful pastor. God help! Two men sharing the same experience through prayer. Now, would God have helped that missionary without that pastor's prayer? I'm sure, in some way. But I guarantee you one thing. There's a church that believes in prayer right now even more than before. That pastor is now in heaven. There's a missionary family that knows all about prayer. There is a second generation missionary that's now on the field, wife of a dear, dear, dear missionary who's laboring, who knew exactly what God did for her younger sister, who believes in prayer. If God would just help all of us to see the importance of it, believe in it, and do it. What can we do for Josh and Katie Pate? 
Your prayer is one of the greatest assets you can do. Your finances help to pay for the bills, help to pay for their airline ticket, and helps them get everything all taken care of, and all the logistics of their home getting set up and all of that. Your finances help to get them there. It's your prayer that helps to keep them there. Will we be a praying church? Pray for your missionary. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Crossroads Baptist Church. We thank you for Pastor Dietrich. Father, we thank you so so much for the dear, wonderful people of this church. I've been here on numerous occasions, Father, and every time it's been a wonderful blessing. We thank you for the senior pastors that have been here, are here from other churches and the wonderful testimonies, Father. And I pray, Father, in some small way that you would use now the message that you've placed on my heart, that you would use it now as a catalyst for each and every one of us to see the importance of prayer, to see the necessity of it. And, Father, to put it into practice. Father, there are several things, Father, that you had led me to write on these notes here. That people can be able to pray individually, not just for the pates, but for all of their missionaries. And Father, I pray that you would help us to do so. Help us to see what we can do from our small little prayer closet. We can touch ministries on different continents, behind iron curtains, behind bamboo curtains, places we can't even get missionaries in right now. But there's people there. You have your people there. And that we can be able to touch and move a world on our knees. I pray you would help us to do so. In Jesus' name. Their heads bowed and their eyes.